Today on Season 3, Episode 69 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, the Packers' prolific offense continues to make strides. Rodgers steps closer to another NFL milestone, Adams is breaking Packers records, and Bryce introduces us to the newest member of the squad. John Marks of the Marks and Reese Show on 94 WIP joins us in the second half to talk Eagles. What did they do well? What has gone wrong? Who do the Packers need to watch out for? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for Facing the Eagles, John Marks on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast. I am Bryce Christensen, and this is Facing the Eagles, John Marks on tap. We will welcome our next guest in the second half, John Marks, talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a radio show host out of Philly, so really excited to know a little bit more about his background, how he got into sports, and a breakdown of the Philadelphia Eagles Green Bay Packers game set for 3:25 p.m. Central Standard Time for another home game at Lambeau Field. Packers are 8 and 3 right now and the Eagles are 3, 7 and 1 still in the thick of it though in that abysmal NFC East. But if you've been tuning in week in and week out for our episodes, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for your support, uh, we are literally nothing without our fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. If you haven't yet, check out 100 on Tap, which was our most recent release with myself and my brother from another mother, Big Bad Ken Angles. And we break down the Packers drubbing over the Chicago Bears this past Sunday. And then in the second half, we highlight a couple salary cap questions. We get to tap the beautiful mind of Ken Ingles. And then we reverse roles. He gives me some fill-in-the-blank questions and puts me on the hot seat. So if you have not checked that out, please do so. And I am thrilled uh, to host this first half solo show before we welcome our guest. And if you've been tuning in, For the first half of my solo shows, I always give you a little bit of highlight of Packers news, Packers stats, and then also my vibes as the Packers square off against their opponent week in, week out for my solo show. And I wanted to share that Aaron Rodgers only needs three more touchdown passes to become the seventh player in NFL history with 400. He will be the fastest quarterback to reach 400. He's played in 192 career games. Drew Brees was the previous fastest to 400, doing it in his 205th game. And then Peyton Manning was next, doing it in his 209th game so far. But I did want to mention as well some interesting stats that if you have not checked out 100 on tap, I talked about Devonta Adams is the fifth Green Bay Packers receiver to reach 500 career receptions and also was the fastest to do it in 95 games, one game faster than Sterling Sharp, who did it 
in 96 games. And this is pretty interesting, too. The Green Bay Packers have a league-high 44 touchdowns. Quite arguably, the most prolific offense right now in the NFL. And I feel like we should talk about that a little bit more. And I am going to talk about my vibes, my feelings about this Green Bay Packers team as we wrap up the first half. But I do want to mention a couple other notes as well, some recent highlights in the Green Bay Packers news. And I think what's something that's pretty exciting is that we just recently acquired a new player. Tavon Austin became official on Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. He will don the number 16 as he tweeted out as well. Formerly of uh, Whitewater Jesus, walks on water, Jake Kumaro. So that number 16, it'll be exciting to see uh, Tavon Austin. I'll be honest, I, I tweeted out that I cannot help about the parallels with Desmond Howard and Tavon Austin. I know that their ages are different. I know Desmond Howard was 26 when he came out of the Green Bay Packers, and Tavon Austin is 29. But we need a spark in the return game. Desmond Howard was that in the 96 season, uh, 97 championship. And I feel like this is very similar. You have Tyler Irvin, who's still... Uh, nursing that injury that I have not gotten any update on in regards to Tyler Irvin. So this is a guy that is a hybrid player. He's the one that ushered in that hybrid player that we now had with Tyler Irvin. He is that guy, the inventor, if you will, of that hybrid player. And he has just a wealth of experience when it comes to his returner. He amassed 5,263 all-purpose yards and 28 touchdowns over seven NFL seasons spent with the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams and the Dallas Cowboys. He was the eighth overall pick in the 2013 NFL draft. And he's a guy that did a little bit of everything in his five seasons with the Rams. In addition to handling returns, he caught 194 passes for 1,689 yards and 12 touchdowns and also rushed for another 1,238 yards and nine touchdowns. In 75 games, he started 50 of them. The five foot eight, 180 180-pound receiver caught a lot of defenses off guard as a rookie, generating 151 rushing yards and a touchdown on only nine carries. After spending two seasons in Dallas, Austin signed with San Francisco in, in August before landing on the 49ers injured reserve list at the end of training camp due to a knee injury. Something also to note is that he returned a punt for a touchdown in each of his first NFL seasons. He had a 98-yard return against the Indianapolis Colts during his rookie year. For his career, Tavon Austin has returned 185 punts for 1,466 yards, which is a 7.9 average, three touchdowns, and 25 kickoffs for 451 yards, which is an 18.0 average. He also carried the ball 97 times for 809 yards and seven touchdowns under running backs coach Ben Sermons back with the Rams. So that was the most backfield activity by any NFL receiver from 2013 to 2015. That also got Sermons to start thinking about Ty Montgomery when we had that experiment, if you will, when when we had nobody at running back and we converted Ty Montgomery from wide receiver to running back. Also... In Coach LaFleur's lone season as the offensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, that coincided with Tavon Austin's final year with the team in 2017. So you're seeing some parallels with LaFleur 
and also sermons. So I, I'm excited. These are those street free agents that really propel a team. When you're thinking of the Desmond Howard, Howard Green, Eric Walden sort of thing. And I know that there are probably people thinking like, well, you need help on the defensive line. We do. We need help on defense. We do. But boy, oh boy, if Austin can provide a little bit of a spark, uh, this team gets even better. And that's what you want. You want to bring players on that propel you, that make your team progress to the next level. That's what will happen, or that's what I'm hoping will happen. Also, Tavon Austin is a is a guy that has like an infectious personality. I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks with the Rams, but he was a guy that was well-loved by his teammates. He fits into this culture. I am really excited about this acquisition, and I'm hoping that we get to see some return of an investment, some dividends on the field. But that's something that I wanted to share with you as well. In other news, Corey Lindsley is out with that back injury. Uh, what a worse time for him, too, in a, in a contract year. He's set to be a free agent in 2021. And that ushers in rookie six-round draft pick, John Runyon Jr. Here's a guy that was an all-Big Ten tackle out of Michigan. And he was viewed as a guard from the get-go. Fell to the sixth round somehow, and the Packers snagged him up. He was a guy that I think a lot of people were wanting the Packers to draft, myself included. I think that was one of my hits on uh, who I predicted. I think that was my only hit, actually. And so with Corey Lindsley out, I think it's fitting that you have John Runyon's first start against the Eagles when he grew up being a huge Eagles fan. So he gets his first start at left guard. You've got Elton Jenkins, Biggie at center, and you are arguably seeing the offensive line uh, this Sunday that could be the same offensive line in 2021. We shall see. And we'll talk about this in the second half with John Marks, but with the Eagles being 3-7-1, and one, one thing that there are two things that concern me, and I know John will, will talk a little bit about this. One, their defense is strong. Um, they are anchored in the middle with Fletcher Cox, who has been picked for five consecutive Pro Bowls. He's a sack in each of his last four games, which is the longest streak in the NFL. Their run defense is also stout. They are ninth with 4.1 yards allowed per carry for the season and have been better as, as of late with a 3.4 average the last three games and 2.5 past Monday night against Seattle. So that's something that I wanted to check out too because in the Bears game, you had Aaron Rodgers' first play, play action, and got into a groove. You also had Aaron Jones with 90 yards. I think you had Jamal Williams with like 60, 70 yards. You had Aaron Rodgers with a 12-yard scamper. Even though that this Philadelphia team seems just completely off its rails, completely derailed team. Uh, there are things that make me a little leery come Sunday. One of them is that rush defense. If we're not able to generate any sort of run game, we become one-dimensional with Aaron Rodgers. We really do need to keep the defense on honest. Jones got about 17 carries. I'd like to see him get a little bit more, but I do believe that they're trying to keep him fresh and prolong him for this run in December, as well as January and February. 
But that's something that I want uh, you all to keep an eye on, too, is how does this run game look against this uh, rush defense that is actually pretty stout? Uh, two, Miles Sanders. John will talk about this in the second half, but he's he's the type of guy that is a home run hitter. And among running backs, he's second in the league right now with 5.6 yards per carry. Green Bay's defense, on the other hand, is 25th with 4.6 yards allowed per carry. Even though that it was a drubbing, I love I love saying that word against the Chicago Bears. David Montgomery busted out a big run. They they still got a lot of yards on the ground. And that's just something that I would like for them to fix up a little bit. I want them to shut down Miles Sanders. Uh, we'll see what happens with Doug Peterson if he is going to learn from his mistakes because they didn't really utilize him that much against the Seattle Seahawks Monday night. I got a feeling that they will with Miles Sanders. I think that this would be an opportunity for me to feel a little bit more reassured when it comes to this rush defense. Can we stop literally a running back? Can we stop a running back? So that's another thing that I really want to focus on. And overall, I think when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, this is one thing that always creeps in the back of my mind. Maybe it's a little PTSD, um, and I don't use that loosely. It's just more of, for for a comparison's sake, of a letdown game. Um, I felt really confident uh, with the Indianapolis Colts game. Um, They looked good in that first half, and then everything seemed to just fall apart in the second half. I felt really confident against Chicago Bears, I thought that we were going to beat them pretty easily, which we did. I think that there's a lot going wrong with Philadelphia, but this is a team that beat us last year. I just think there there are a couple things there that make me think that this could be a lot closer than it than it actually is. They seem to play down or they they with competition, you look at the Minnesota Vikings, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chicago Bears are a rival game, so they were they were amped, they were ready for that. This is a home game. They seem to be a little bit better on the road outside of that Indianapolis Colts debacle, if you will. So th- those are things that I really want to focus on. What is this run game going to look like on both sides, uh, Philadelphia as well as Green Bay? Can they get that run game generating? And can that open up Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers' this MVP campaign season? I just want them to continue to compound week in, week out, because this is looking like it's a special year so far. And by special, I think that, you know, when it comes to Packer fans, we want what is rightfully ours. That Super Bowl championship trophy has our former Green Bay Packers coach name on it. The Lombardi Trophy. I want it back in Green Bay. I want it back now. Packers are 8-3. and They have just a high-octane offense, ranked number one in the the NFL right now, lead the league in points scored. Let's continue to compound it, continue to get better. And this is what happens now. December football at Lambeau Field. I know that we're not going to have the jam-packed Lambeau Field Stadium, but this is when you turn it up. All those great teams from, from before, this is when you turn it up, that Lambeau mystique. Let's see it. The Eagles are 3-7-1. and one. Let's embarrass them. That's what I'm expecting. And there are things there that I'm really focusing on. How is Miles Sanders going to do? How is that Philadelphia Eagles team going to do? And when you're looking at Brian Gutekunst and his overall draft selections, 
are we going to continue to see those young stars continue to get better? You got Jair Alexander. You got Big E. Got Darnell Savage with two interceptions last week. Got Rashawn Gary. More snaps. Pressuring the quarterback. Getting to the quarterback. Now I want to see him finish. Seeing EQ in there. MVS has been a bright spot. Sometimes a little bit maddening, but he has been that burner that we need. So I, I'm excited. I think Gutekunst has a really nice resume so far with these last, uh, the 2018-2019 selection. 2019 is really looking like a great class. 2018, you hit on Jair Alexander. Uh, jury's still out with Josh Jackson. He's still nursing that concussion. But when he was on the field, he didn't look like that second-round draft pick. Oren Perks, you know, but uh, Jamon Moore cut. MBS EQ can really salvage that 2018. Uh, and then also Hunter Bradley, who's leading uh, the Pro Bowl votes right now at long snapper, was not too long ago before we had some long snapper drama in Green Bay. So that's a sneaky seventh-round selection by Brian Gutekunst. Now you don't have to worry about a long snapper. 2019 is really looking like a special, I mean, special, special class. Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Big E. I'm, I, I'm excited to see what, what happens uh, with those three. If he can hit on all three of those, which it's looking like he is, wow. And now you're getting some production out of John Runyon, future left guard possibly. He's starting on Sunday. Kamal Martin looks like he can lay the lumber down. A.J. Dillon's been hurt. You have a quarterback that you're drafting and developing. Josiah DeGuara looked like to be a special player before he got hurt. So I really do think that Brian Gutekunst has really fortified this resume as this, dra- uh, this draft expert, if you will. Hit a home run with Coach Lafleur. Hard to imagine. 13-3 and last year outside of the postseason. Now 8-3. and Wow. 21-6 and in the regular season. I'll take that any day of the week. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to my solo first half. Getting really excited to welcome our next guest, John Marks, right after this commercial break. Go Pack Go! This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. And welcome back to the second half of Facing the Eagles. John Marks on tap. And the moment you all been waiting for, continuing our Facing the Opponent series, we have John Marks in the Unknown Packers podcast studio. First and foremost, how are you doing, John? People are waiting to hear from me. Bryce, this is, this is new. Normally, people don't want to hear from me. What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Packers-Eagles breakdown uh, from your perspective. But first and foremost, I, I'm curious. Tell me about your journey. How did you get inspired to work in sports? Um, well, I think like a lot of people that are in sports radio, I just grew up as as a really big sports fan, right? Like my my first memories really as as a human, as a young child, were the Phillies winning the World Series in 1980 and the Eagles going to the Super Bowl and losing in January of um, or February of, two, of, of 1981. And then the Sixers won in 1983. So really early on, like they're my first real memories of, of life is sports. So it, it was just always kind of a passion and something that I loved growing up. I would, you know, eat my cereal uh, on the hardwood floor by the heating vent, looking at box scores, right? Looking at baseball box scores and basketball box scores in the local newspaper. So um, I, once I, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do in life and it was be on the radio, uh, I, 
more or less just went to college. I went to Temple University for my final two years after attending a couple of colleges. I went to went to university or I went to a university in Hawaii and Hawaii, Hawaii Pacific University. Oh, nice. um, moved back to finish at Temple because I had aspirations of being on the radio. And really from there, it was getting an internship and, and just working my way up. And then now we're in 2020. I started this in 2005. I'm hosting afternoons here on the Eagles flagship station, 94 WIP. And kind of living a dream. So it's uh, it's very cool. I, I'm very blessed to have the job that I have. Well, congratulations. I love those uh, those stories. And I get goosebumps because I'm a firm believer that when it comes to sports, it's more than just sports. I know that that sometimes is a knock where it's, oh, it's just sports. It's more than just sports. Uh, the childhood, the nostalgia, and now you living out your dreams. So first and foremost, uh, congratulations on that. I am really excited to talk about the Eagles. And did your preseason opinions match the current expectations so far of the Eagles in this odd and unusual 2020 season? <laughs> um, no, no, not at all. Uh, I would say that I was overly optimistic about the Eagles this year, and I would say some of it was just a take, right? Like anybody can say, yeah, the Eagles will be 9-7 and seven this year, right? Anybody mm-hmm. can say, because that's the fence. 9-7 and seven's the fence. It's like, yeah, you might be in the playoffs, but you also could miss the playoffs. 10-6, and six, you're saying more about the team. Eight and eight, you're thinking the team's about as average as, they, as it gets. So I was, I was more on the side of this team can win a playoff game this year. And man, oh, was okay. I wrong. <laughs> man, was <laughs> I wrong. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Nobody saw this coming because with injuries and poor play and everything else, like that can always happen, but mm-hmm. not out of the quarterback. And I did not expect expect Carson Wentz to to more or less forget how to play the quarterback position, which is what's happened this year. And how have the Eagles been this season for all of our fans that are tuning in? Maybe this is the first time that they're getting exposed to the Philadelphia Eagles so far. How are they? They are they're terrible. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they're, they're terrible. To go from Super Bowl win in 2017, 9-7 and right. seven in 2018, win a playoff game, 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs last year, to be 3-7-1 and one right now, and not just 3-7-1, and one, but a bad three seven and one too. I mean, there 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 have been games where they've been competitive, but even in those games, it was kind of like a lot of points in the fourth quarter because they were down big, right? So this is a this is a bad team across the board. They have had a lot of injuries. Their offensive line has has really been busting up with injuries. But for the second most expensive roster in football, and what we thought was a a good young quarterback, this team has has gotten terrible quarterback play, terrible coaching. And it just feels like now, just three years removed from the Super Bowl, that everybody's ready to blow it up. And and the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, Eagles owner, Jeffrey Lurie, might be too. Oh, no. So to continue on this trend, we'll talk about some silver linings or some positives about the Eagles. But to continue what uh, and to piggyback off your comments, what do the Eagles struggle in both offensively and defensively? Um, well, they, they can't protect Carson Wentz. They struggle to protect Carson Wentz. 46 sacks they've given up this year. That's a historic rate. It would be top three all-time sacks allowed if they continue on this trend. A quarterback hits. He's been hit 141 times this year. So 46 sacks, oh, 141 QB hits. So they can't protect them. And what that has done with Carson Wentz is that has made him skittish. That has given him the yips to where he's almost expecting the pass rush on every play. And it's not an excuse for him because he shouldn't be doing that, but it's an explanation on why he 
is so bad. I mean, he's the worst quarterback in the league. So he's going from almost an MVP in 2017 before he gets hurt to looking like he doesn't even belong to play in this league anymore. So the quarterback play has been, been poor. Carson Wentz leads the, leads the league in, in interceptions and turnovers. They can't protect the quarterback. Um, d- defensively, they just don't have a lot of playmakers. Like, they're, they're solid on defense. I, I think that against, like, average teams, the defense will, will look okay. They did a pretty good job against Russell Wilson this past Monday night. So they will mm-hmm. have their moments. They like to beat up on bad offensive lines and young quarterbacks. Like, when they played the, the Bengals and Joe Burrow earlier in the year, defensive line had a field day, and they, they think they got eight sacks in that game. So against the bad lines and the bad defenses, they can get, get after their quarterback, get after the quarterback. Darius Slay, who they brought in, who you're familiar with up there for his days yep. battling with uh, Devontae Adams with the, with the Lions, you know, he's right. been a welcome addition. He's a good player. But, you know, when you're talking about a playmaker, a corner that a lot of times quarterbacks will just avoid because they'll go to the other side and they'll, they'll just throw it away from them. You know, they don't have a guy that can that can can make a play on defense. So they, they have three interceptions this year, three interceptions this year. They haven't had an interception by a cornerback since last year. So they don't do a lot of things well. If the defense the defense is adequate, if the offense was scoring a lot of points, they'd be much better. But as it stands, average defensively and just absolutely terrible on offense. So pivoting a little bit and trying to look at the positives when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, if it's sort of like a picturesque or perfect game, what would the Eagles excel in offensively and defensively? And have they done that so far in a game this season? Um, have they excelled in a game this season on offense? Um, man, I would have to go back and look. It certainly doesn't feel like it. I, I mean, I, I, I guess they have. So let, let me, let me, I'll make it, I'll make it pretty clear to you what, what's going on with the Eagles. So they played the Seahawks on Monday night. All right. Carson Wentz, as I've already detailed, is really, really struggling this year. He's got the yips. He doesn't see the field. He'll have open receivers. He's looking at him. He still doesn't see him or throw the ball. He's double hitching. I mean, he's hitching when he goes back to throw it. He's flinching. Um, And you have an injured offensive line that can't protect him. Can't protect him. Forget about sacks. Look look at the quarterback hits. So what does Doug Peterson do? What what game plan does he draw up for uh, a a quarterback that has no confidence in in an injured offensive line that can't protect him? Well, he had nine runs, nine runs to running backs, and Carson Wentz dropped back over 50 times. Over 50 times dropping back. You would think that, all right, what are we going to do? A lot of short passes. Let's run the ball. Let's make a commitment to run the ball. Even if it's not working, let's make a commitment to run the ball. Let's figure it out. And, and what you have is you have a, a 50-some passes and nine, nine runs, nine runs. Miles Sanders last year showed that he could be more than a, a capable running back. He looked like a, a future all-pro player. He's not getting the right. rock. You know, so uh, right now th- they struggle to do anything. The coaches struggle to, to, to call plays. And, I mean, and, and Carson Wentz is so bad right now. I don't want to bench him, Bryce. I don't, I don't want to bench him because it's going to create a controversy if you put – the Eagles drafted a second uh, – in the second round drafted a, a quarterback this year. Drafted a right. quarterback, Jalen, Jalen Hurts. So that's the conversation every day and every week is put Hurts in, put Hurts in. If you put him in, you already have a quarterback controversy. Who knows what happens after that? So it's a mess. And if you put him in with that offensive line, you could just damage his confidence being a second round draft well, pick too. Yeah, you yeah it could, it, you're right. It could go two ways that he gets crushed and he never recovers, or he actually does well because there's no book on him. He can run around quite a bit. He's athletic. He can make plays with his legs, and they would probably dumb down the offense just because he's new and he didn't have training camp and 
everything that's going on with COVID to where then you would get some short-term success. And you know what that would do? That would have the pundits, that would have the fans, that would have everybody saying, oh, you should go with Jalen Hurts. You should, he should be the quarterback. You should trade Carson Wentz. But Bryce, financially, Carson Wentz is just starting a new contract, $108 million right. guaranteed. So you just can't get rid of him. There's, there's salary cap Im- implications, right? Like mm-hmm. you, it, it would, if, if you traded him, it would literally cost like $60 million in dead money on the cap just to get rid of him. So there's problems with everything with the Eagles right now. For, uh, this is actually what I wasn't really expecting, sort of this sort of uh, vision, if you will, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like you had mentioned, um, sort of this rise to fame in 2017. And Doug Peterson has a special place in my heart, being the backup QB for Brett Favre. I thought that uh, he was sort of secure. I, I, I am deviating a little bit from the agenda that I set you, but what are the chances that uh, he doesn't finish out the season? Or is, I mean, is I would assume that the seat is ex- extremely hot right now for Doug Peterson. It is. And and we went back and, and by the way, you can ask me anything off the agenda. It's fine. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I do sports talk radio. So we go off the, the agenda quite a bit, but like, if you would have said to people five weeks ago, that Doug Peterson could be fired, but what everybody would have said was he won the Super Bowl three years ago. He made the playoffs the last two years, right? Like you can't fire him based on a COVID 2020 season, right? Like it's not fair. He gets mm-hmm. another shot. But man, as we sit here today in December, it sure feels like the, that things have fallen apart. He's very much on the hot seat. Now, the Eagles owner, Jeffrey Lurie, isn't known to be knee-jerk, right? Like, he's not a guy okay. that, that's, that does a lot of firing. He's had three head coaches, or I guess four head coaches now, since he's owned the team, since 1994. Um, but he also realizes when things have gone wrong. Chip Kelly, when he came here, he had two 10-6 and six seasons, and then they, they fell on, um, on a seven and nine season, that final year, he didn't even let him finish the season. He fired him before the season was over. So two, 10 and six uh-huh. seasons, third season, they struggled. Jeffrey Lurie fired him because the, the place had become toxic. He recognized that and he did a good job and got, got rid of him before got rid of him a year early than maybe a year too late. And it feels like the Doug right. Peterson might be in, might be in for that this year. Cause like here, here's what, here's, I think the case for for Doug Peterson not coming back next year, you have to ask yourself, do you believe that he can turn Carson Wentz around. Because financially, financially, you are tied to Carson Wentz. You're not going to be able to get rid of him. So if you bring him back in 2021 and you have the same mess, you have the same mess right now, that, then what are you going to do? Now you're going into 2022 and are you bringing a new coach in to, to work with Carson Wentz? Are you getting rid of Carson Wentz and Doug? Um, I just don't, I don't see it turning around next year. And if you can't say to yourself, honestly, I think they can turn it around next year. I think Doug Peterson can turn it around next year. I think you got to move on. Wow. Wow. And as we, as we get closer to gearing up for, for this showdown with the Packers and Eagles, and we've had some history with the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not going to mention that, that devastating and brutal post-traumatic stress inducing experience in the playoffs back in 2005 uh, with the Eagles. But <laughs> we've, gone, we've gone back and forth, the Michael uh, Vick era when the Packers ended up going to Philadelphia and yeah. then stringing along a couple road wins, bringing home the Vince Lombardi trophy. Also, last year, the Eagles handing Matt LaFleur his first loss in his first year. So there's definitely, um, and then the the bloodlines, if you will, or, or with Green Bay and Doug Peterson, and what I would like to know is you've just told me a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles. And from a Packers perspective, that 
that makes me excited. But at the same time, the NFL is day-to-day, week-to-week. Anything can happen. So for Packer fans that are tuning in, who are some players to keep an eye on for the Eagles on both sides of the football that we can become a little bit more equipped come Sunday? So uh, I'll start with Miles Sanders outside of Carson Wentz. Everybody knows him. Miles Sanders mm-hmm. is their uh, second-year running back out of Penn State. Uh, he's he's their home runner hitter. He's their playmaker. Yeah. Um, he struggled a little bit with some drops and in the passing game this year. But last year, him and Carson Wentz were really, really good, not only coming out of the backfield, but him lining up in the slot and more or less being a wide receiver. So Miles Sanders can run the football. He's very talented. One of the highest um, yards per carry of any of the running backs in the NFL. Just doesn't get a lot of usage. Um, so he'd be like, so if I'm the defensive coordinator of the Packers, that's the, and it's Mike Pettin. Junior is, is yep. still the the DC. Yep, Mike Patton. Yeah, yep. he and he actually he went to he went to high school very close to where I went to high school. His dad was oh, a, no was a, a huge Pennsylvania State champion as a high school football coach. Uh, but I digress. Huh. Uh, so I like that. Miles Sanders and then Jalen Rager is their rookie wide receiver. Yep, uh, drafted out of TCU. Drafted before Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson right. looks like he's going to be a future stud. Presently, he's a stud, but but like he's going to be one of those guys going forward. And Jalen Rager struggled a little bit with the transition to the NFL. Uh, he got injured. Uh, he missed significant time with a hand injury. He's back. Like with everything else with this offense, I don't know if it's him or it's just the offense stinks, but he's been making some mental mistakes. He really hasn't impressed. So Rager is at least the guy that has some speed. And then you have uh, Travis Fulgham, who was on the pra- the yeah. Packers practice squad, right? Right. Not too long yes. ago. <laughs> it, it, over the course of four games, he led the NFL in receiving yards. It was like, right. where did this guy come from? It's unbelievable. Him and Carson Wentz had this connection that was amazing. The last three games, he's had uh, he's had three catches for 28 yards. Last three games combined. So he has totally disappeared from uh, from really doing anything. Uh, and then I would say this: that two Eagles have two really good tight ends. Dallas Goddard and uh, Richard Rodgers. Yep. Dallas Goddard is their second-round draft pick. He's entering. He's in his third year. He's going to be entering his final year next year of his rookie contract. So that's why, if you're a Packer fan and you know the name Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz has been hurt. But Zach Ertz is very. It, it, Zach Ertz was very unhappy because the Eagles weren't giving him the contract extension that he wanted, in part because right. Dallas Goddard is such a good-looking young player. So Goddard mm-hmm. it lo- actually looks like a big wide receiver. Um, and then yeah. Richard Rodgers is kind of their number two, not a good blocker, but you'll see him out there making catches. So, I mean, really on offense, that's, they're the guys that you're going to see. And again, bad offensive line. That's the thing, bad offensive line. Uh, so if you have guys that can get to the quarterback on the Packers, they're going to be good. All right. And I'll just go through quickly on defense, their front, their, their defensive line are the guys that they're the highest paid on the team. Some have disappointed some free agents. They brought in Javon Hargrave. And, and uh, Malik Jackson have done nothing, and they're making a lot of money. But Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham are their two best defensive linemen. Fletcher Cox is a multiple-time Pro Bowl player. Brandon, Brandon Graham's trying to make his first Pro Bowl this year. Had the, had the game-ending sack against uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And, um, and, then, and then you have uh, some other guys like Derek Barnett, who's a good pass rusher. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, outside of Darius Slay, not much, man. Not much. They they, okay. they have a they have a linebacker number forty nine Alex Singleton who was an who was a, a like an all pro in Canada, and he came down here signed with the Eagles and he's actually been making plays. So um, I mean that's about okay. it. Not a ton of talent on this team. Well, I this is fascinating stuff for me. I hope everyone that's tuning in and listening is also getting a better snapshot of what this Philadelphia Eagles team and what we can possibly uh, expect 
come Sunday. Dallas uh, Godert was definitely a guy that I had my eye on. I thought that the Packers should invest heavily in a tight end. I'm really thrilled, and he's my favorite current Packers, Robert Tunyon. But I want to say uh, Godert was a uh, was it South Dakota State Jackrabbits, yep. right? Yep, absolutely. And then and then Richard Rogers, obviously a special place in Packer fans with uh, uh, the Detroit miracle, the the Hail Mary. The name escapes me with uh, what that Hail Mary miracle was in Detroit. But Rogers to Rogers, so um, glad to see that he's still in the NFL and producing. And I was not expecting you to drop another prior previous Green Bay Packer player. So with that being said, we've got two more questions. One being, what are, what are your predictions? Not necessarily a score, but I mean, you've you definitely given us a nice canvas to look at what we could possibly expect when it comes to the Packers and Eagles. But what are your predictions come this Sunday? From from the Eagles standpoint, my prediction is pain. If you're an Eagle fan, pain, because <laughs> this year has been painful, and Sunday is going to be painful as well. They against the Seahawks, I, they 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 you know they stuck in there. They did. The defense played well. Um, I, I, Aaron Rodgers, like Russell Wilson didn't play very well Monday night. Aaron Rodgers has been electric this year and it just doesn't feel like, like even before we thought the Eagles were going to be, were going to be bad. Even before like, we were like, oh yeah, the Eagles are going to be good this year. You always circle that, that game and you say Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he, he's just so good. And I, I just can't see, I just can't see them doing much. I would feel a lot better if the offense even feel like, you felt like they had any kind of a chance, but listen, there, there's been, there's been games. And I think it was the last time we, we, we felt like this was, I think it was Sunday night football against the Cowboys and the Cowboys were coming off and they've tightened up their defense since then, but like they were getting crushed every week and guys weren't, weren't, weren't putting in full effort and everything else. We thought that was the game that Carson Wentz got right and looked like the old Carson mm-hmm. Wentz and the offense looked good. And Doug Peterson figured out how to call a game and the offense was terrible that night. So really, since then, it's been like they're, they're just not going to turn it around this year. So I, I'm I'm predicting a you know a, a, a good effort by the defense and just mind blowing bad offense. Uh, and I don't expect much of a game to be honest with you. I don't. Well, I appreciate you being candid and your honesty. Um, I've been fascinated for this whole second half of facing the Eagles. John Marks on tap, and I got a pop quiz question for you that I ask all our guests that wasn't part of the agenda, but since you. Grew up a big Philly fan, born and bred, uh, now cover the Eagles as well as other Philadelphia um, sports. What would be one year that you could go back to and and cover the teams that you love? Oh, man. 2017 with the Eagles winning a Super Bowl was uh, like so. So there's 2008, there's 2017. The Phillies won a, won a World Series in 2008, and I was mm-hmm. still kind of – I was newer in the business, so it was like the first real – we were, we, we went to the, we, we were going, you know, we traveled with the team. We saw, I saw the world series. I saw them win. We were on the road for it. And, you know, as, as a kid that grew up really, really loving the Phillies and the Eagles, they were clearly my two teams. Um, that was really special because they broke a drought. They hadn't won since 1980. So it was, it was 28 years. Okay. They broke the drought. That was cool. But I'd be, I'd be being insincere if I didn't say it wasn't the Eagles in 2017. Again, we're the flagship station. Um, and being able to go out to Minneapolis and, and do our do a week of broadcast from Mall of America in the food court and be in that radio row and have the Eagles, which, you know, I, I it kind of reminds me of the Packers, Bryce, because like the, the day of the Super Bowl, 
what you had, you had people going to cemeteries and visiting loved ones that have passed that and wow. putting an Eagle Jersey on the grave because they knew that dad or grandpa always wanted to see it. Right. And so for that reason, for the generations and generations of Eagles fans, that was the most special win. I mean, people were just, people were, were sobbing because they wished that, you know, dad or mom or whoever could have saw it. And that's what, that's what the win brought to a lot of people. So by far, that's, that's probably my most special moment. Oh, wow. I got goosebumps. I hope everyone else that was tuning in felt the same emotions that I did. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of background about Philadelphia Eagles fans, as well as your background, and then breaking down the Philadelphia Eagles Green Bay Packers game set for this Sunday. Uh, Before we bid adieu, John, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you leading up to pregame as well as following you throughout social media? Of course. Um, I am on... Uh, I, I'm on 94 WIP and uh, our, our show is Marks and Reese. And it's funny you bring up the fourth and 26 game as we call it here, <laughs> because on that play, my co-host Ike Reese actually was blitzing Brett Favre and Brett let go of the ball maybe earlier than he oh. wanted to because Ike was in his face. So get out of here. Yes. Yes. So it's pretty cool that, that you brought that up today. So the Marks and Reese no show, kidding. if you want to, I, I do this with a lot of, a lot of the cities that we play in particular with Dallas and, um, and, so, and it's really like Pittsburgh. I like to as well, but you can, you can download the radio.com app and you can listen to any of our stations, uh, sports stations all over the country. So you can listen to us 94 WIP on the radio.com app on social media. It is John Marks media, J O N M A R K S media and that's on twitter and on instagram the Instagram's more about my kids and doing stuff like yep. that and uh and twitter's pretty much all about football and everything else well thank you so much john for coming on talking eagles packers i wasn't expecting uh the nostalgia to think about fourth and 26 it came to me and then the, the common fabric if you will with your co-host on on the radio show so thank you so much for coming on taking time out of your busy schedule And for everyone else that's tuning in, I hope you enjoy this Facing the Eagles John Marks on Tap episode as the Eagles and Packers square off this Sunday. I am Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.